You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. And I'm Ben. And today, we're taking a journey. A journey through our DNA, and uh, we're going back, way back. Way back, yeah. This is a deep cut. Today, we are talking about the lost races of man. Now, uh, Matt, you remember earlier, gosh, it was a long time ago, we covered the um, the belief in giants, right? Oh, yes. That was one of the earliest episodes we mm-hmm. did. And... Uh, interesting thing that we found is that not only are there quite a few hoaxes, especially in the days of Photoshop and, um, you know, even earlier than that in the days of disreputable would-be scientists. Uh, and but- you've, you've probably seen these photos online, the photos of uh, maybe it's a paleontologist down by some bones that, and there happens to be a giant human skull bone there as well. Right. That's ridiculously out of proportion and it'll say hey real photos of giants on it uh we can assure you uh those are photoshopped yeah those for sure photoshopped but amid all those hoaxes and amid uh you know both digital and analog i guess we have we have also found that there are quite a few unexplained things about early humanity in general and um if you guys will sit through some folklore with us, uh, we can build a pretty fascinating case here. Uh, first off, every single culture, I, I don't like generalities, but generalizations, but it's true. Every single culture has legends of some sort of human-like entities, right? Yeah, you've got some that have the, the human-like intelligence. Um, you, you think of the fairies or maybe the gnomes. Uh, even giants, right. uh, there are legends of these throughout uh, many cultures, almost all cultures. Yeah, giants are some of the original bad guys in a lot of the epic tales of uh, earlier empires. You know, we have, of course, for most people in monotheistic faiths, Goliath would be a uh, number one giant. Mm-hmm. The idea of the Nephilim being giants was also present in early Old Testament stuff, some of which made it into the the canonical canonical version of the Bible and other Mm -hmm. stuff that's more on the B-sides. And then we know that there are other 
myths and legends about creatures that are a blend of animal and man. And this stuff is huge. And of course, it depends upon the types of animals present in that culture's environment, right? Yes. You, you wouldn't have a giraffe, uh, in Native American culture. Uh, <laughs> right. And you just wouldn't see it because it wasn't there. But you would have, um, stuff like a, Seder in, uh, in Mediterranean culture where goats are common, mm-hmm. minotaurs, centaurs, but then also, uh, let's not forget things that can change into animals like the werewolf myths. Oh yeah. You know. Skinwalkers and all the, there are a lot of myths, especially Native American myths about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we have a whole podcast about that too. Yes, we do. Um, and others, sometimes you've got kind of an angelic or a demonic version of a human that isn't really human. So cool. Um, yeah, well, it's certainly cool. And these are, you know, vampires, jinn, the undead, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and most of these legends are culturally specific. So, what we mean by that is that most of these legends have a very specific type of elf belief or type of fey belief or very specific race of giants or animal near human people. But there are some commonalities here, and these commonalities are startling. First, pretty much every culture has some idea of little people, whether these are little physical people or little spirits, you know, a spirit of your home or something. Um, maybe it's not fair to say every culture. Every continent, save Antarctica, has myths like this. Mm-hmm. And then giants are always around, as we said, the original bad guys. And there's another thing, which I think we've, we, you and I have referred to as near men or almost men. You yeah, know? Uh, these are apes sometimes, uh, right. usually apes. Sasquatch like, things, yeah. Mm-hmm, orangutans that just live in the forest, but they, you know, if you get a glimpse and you don't really know what it is, yeah, uh, it could, I could imagine someone seeing, uh, kind of an older orangutan with the long arms, just this weird old man in the woods who's just hanging out in the forest. Yeah, maybe buddy. it's his domain. Maybe he's magical. I don't know. I'm freaked out just from hearing you tell this story. I've never seen that thing before. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point, Matt, because, uh, some of these legends have later proven to have a grain of truth, right? Especially the example that you just mentioned, which is orangutans. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a fairly strange looking creature and it's, but it's very human like as well. And for a long time, uh, the Europeans who were, uh, invading or colonizing, depending on which side of history you're on, uh, for a long time, those, uh, the Europeans, we're saying, what is this weird monster you guys are talking about? Who is the old man of the forest? And nobody believed it until the discovery, finger quote, discovery of the orangutan, which is, is wow. fascinating to me. And we know that this has happened, you know, with other ape populations, uh, gorillas at one time were believed to be largely fictitious by, uh, by early colonizing Europeans. I believe it was early colonizing Europeans. Mm -hmm. Somebody will fact check me on that. (laughs) But this brings us, so we've walked through the folklore and we've shown that in a few cases, the folklore does have some sort of grain of truth, right? Mm -hmm. So it brings us to this. What about Homo sapiens? Did we ever encounter early creatures, ones that actually were like us? It's a good question. Well, if we want to uh, use natural selection as the kind of the lens that we're looking through, then we absolutely had to have, uh, Homo sapiens had to have experienced uh, Neanderthals, or at least a version, uh, uh, or I guess it would be closer to the, wow, I'm, I'm talking out of my um, <clears throat> rear at the moment, but it would have to be, you know, we split at some point, and it's not right. it's not instantaneous, and you the other, you know, once you split, whatever you turned into, the other side just doesn't disappear. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's sort of like the old problem with, um, some theories about teleportation. It reminds me a little bit by way of painful analogy okay. about a movie called The Prestige. And awesome movie. Yeah. This is tangential. This is also chock full of spoilers. So if you have not seen The Prestige and you are one of those people who will get upset at me, uh, for you listening to spoilers, then don't listen to this part. 
anyway, in The Prestige, David Bowie plays Nikola Tesla and does a pretty good job. Oh, yeah. Considering they look nothing alike. And he, uh, he invents this teleportation machine with a huge drawback. It doesn't so much teleport people as it makes copies of objects because actual teleportation is much more difficult than this this sort of mimicry or doubling. Mm-hmm. So there's a very strange situation where one of the magicians, one of the main characters in The Prestige, is continually killing earlier versions of himself, which is which is hellish. And there's also an Orson Scott Card story about that that was great, but I don't want to ruin that one for you either. <laughs> Ruining movies all day long. I've guys. done enough damage, you know, I think. Uh, so we do know... We do know that there are a lot of unanswered questions about uh, the arrival of modern man anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. for, for most of us, most people in the West understand the out of Africa theory, which is the prevalent modern, uh, the prevalent theory in the modern time today. And we all know the story. So Homo sapien evolves in Africa and from Africa leaves via, you know, the Northwest Africa uh, area to locations around the globe mm-hmm. spreads out and civilization is founded, you know, somewhere in the near East, Middle East, Indus Valley. Um, well, that is also coming up for debate because there are some ancient sites that have been rediscovered. Yeah. So, older sites than they should be. How do you pronounce it? Katal Hyuk? Is that it? I, I'm not, I can't. You know what I'm talking about. I know about exactly that. what you're talking we'll about. We'll do a show on that. Uh, yeah. Did you hear what Ben said? Try and figure out how to put that into Google and uh, look that up because it's really interesting. Okay, so um, but there are alternate theories. There are there. Um, perhaps there's this one theory that there may have been another hominid or uh, humanoid uh, that had left Africa earlier and traveled throughout the world. And in this theory, humanity evolved at different locations throughout the world separately. Mm. Um, and th- this is, I think it's called the multi-regional theory. Ah, yes. The multi-regional theory, which sounds, can sound pretty strange to us. If you look at the timeline of evolution of man, from what we know, the, the errors, the margins of error are huge. Mm-hmm. Just the range of dates in which these things could have occurred. Uh, so while there is room to explore that, it's not an, it's not treated as um, importantly in the West, but in some areas of the world, in China, for instance, a version of the multi-regional evolutionary theory is is incredibly popular. Really? Yeah, and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I've read some accusations that it's because of racism. Well, uh, unfortunately, that's where my mind goes when I hear it. Uh, it could. Here's the problem. It's possible. I can't discount it currently, but at least that theory, because I don't have the tools to do the research. I what? know, I know what the information is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I can, that's where my mind went when we began talking about that theory. Yeah. It's strange because it makes, um, it makes a space where you could say, where you could easily see a lot of people with tremendous prejudice saying, Oh, yes, of course we really are different to, you know, insert group we don't like here. Somebody's got beef with the Welsh or something. And they say, uh, you know, and yes, guys, Welsh listeners, I'm using uh, the Welsh as an example of racism because I'm pretty sure that uh, it's not a serious thing. And if I'm wrong, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm just using it as an example. That would be a terrible thing. If that would be a terrible thing. Welsh prejudice. I hope it's not around anymore. Point being, point being, there is a space in there that people use, uh, in turn for racism. There's another similar theory that an earlier hominid left Africa involved, evolved into something like Homo sapien. So maybe, you know, the demo version of the full album that will be Homo sapien. Okay. And then returns to Africa then. Uh, Ooh, like a homecoming. Yeah. Like an into Africa before out of Africa. Interesting. But. Again, the most widely accepted theory, uh, by far and large is the out of Africa theory wherein Homo sapien evolves on the African continent, departs, leaves later, um, 
starts to have regional variants into the things that we recognize as uh, different parts of uh, different human populations around the world today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, you and I have a lot of freckles that happened. Yeah. (laughs) Stuff like that. I'm kind of upset with those, those, uh, my hominid ancestors. You gotta own it, man. You gotta own it. It's just too expensive to get all these things removed. Uh, <laughs> it's just not cool. We can't even walk outside for very long, Ben. But it's all part of the mosaic that is the human experience, right? There were some cave dwellers, our ancestors. I'm sorry I'm harping on this, but hey. man, they lived, they must have been deep in those caves. <laughs> um, to, yeah. And today, Homo sapien in general is one of the most successful large life forms in Earth's history. Now, we have talked before about what defines a successful life form. Like, are insects the most successful type of life? Is bacteria? Because God knows there are a hell of a lot more of them than there are humans. Yeah. But regardless, Ben, there are billions of humans running around the Earth. Mm -hmm. And that's a large number, even though there are... A lot more of the others, of insects and those sure, things. Sure, There's a whole lot of us. We're pretty big. Yeah. But here's the thing. Mm. Have we always been alone in this space of the intelligent, large creatures? What a great question. And before we answer that, Matt, I think it's time that we have a word from our sponsor. All right. Sounds good. Let's uh, Let's go to it. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, 
a military-trained seduction spy, reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey there, friend. Oh, uh, me? Uh, yes, you. You have a look of fear and terror about you. Oh, geez, I, I don't mean to. I'm, is it my eyes? What? It's your eyes, it's your posture, it's... Frankly, your smell, everything about you says that you are afraid of giants. Oh, well, I am afraid of giants. Yes, yeah. and you should be. They are huge. They are dangerous. The legends are true, my friend. You are one gigantic accidental misstep away from being pulverized by an uncaring cyclops or perhaps an oversized Goliath. Well, I, I you know, I haven't seen one in a while. I Yes, that's because I'm wearing big and tall giant repellents. The only product guaranteed to prevent any giant taller than 11 feet from even entering your presence. So how does it work? Why, I'm glad you asked. For five simple payments of $79.87, you too can own one of our very first David Sling models. It's a hip stone necklace that you just put around your neck and it will emanate anti-giant rays, which has been proven by scientists that we paid to say so. Uh, all right, now, I'm willing to go with you here because I don't want to get stomped by Cyclops. Like mm-hmm. you said, that, mm-hmm. that sounds like a really bad day. Mm-hmm. But honestly, yes. I got to gotta level with you here. You know, for all of my days, I have never seen a giant. Ah, yes, of course. Well, that's probably because someone near you is wearing giant repellents. Oh, oh, okay. All right, you know what? You know what? Uh, 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 get me started. Where do I sign? Well, sign right here. And you can sign up too, ladies and gentlemen, listeners of stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, get a discount on one of your four easy payments by signing up to Big and Tall Giant Repellent. Stuff they don't want you to know dot com forward slash giant repellent. Sign up today. Big and tall giant repellent is not responsible for the following. Genetic disorders including Crohn's disease, Mycroft syndrome, funny hand, and left toe. Insouciant doorknobs, aggressive bonobos, depressed bonobos, Jonathan Strickland, farts, sharks, hand carts, ox carts, malaise, window jumping, window breaking, Canada, Kansas, and Kiribati. Big and tall monster repellents, a division of Illumination Global Unlimited. And we are back. So now we can finally answer the question. Matt, you know the answer to this question. We have not been alone. Uh, oh, we have not been. The Neanderthals are the first uh, group of hominids that we need to talk about. They were first discovered in Germany uh, in the Neander Valley, which is a silly uh, name. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so they're they're usually classified by paleontologists as uh, the species Homo Neanderthalensis. Mm-hmm. And uh, some consider them to be kind of a the sub or a subspecies of Homo sapiens, um, Homo sapien Neanderthalis. Okay. Um, so, but any- yeah. So the question is, if they're their own species or if they're just a subspecies of modern man, right? Absolutely. That's that is the question. So the first humans with proto Neanderthal traits are believed to have existed in Europe. Uh, roughly or as early as 600,000 to 350,000 years ago. Right. And so this means that they became extinct during the time of, of modern man in term, you know, in terms of anatomy, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, another group that we should talk about that you and I got pretty excited about when we first heard of this. And those are the Denisovans. Um, spoiler alert. Most of the early man variations that we find have names based only on where they were first discovered. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Denisovans. We don't have much to go on on with these folks. Uh, fairly recently, uh, researchers at the Denisovan Cave in the Altai Mountains of Siberia 
found uh, just some tiny stuff like finger bone, a toe, couple toes, fragments of, of skulls. And from this, they were able to look at the DNA and discover that there was another, either a completely different species of early man or a subspecies of Homo sapien. And here's the thing. Asia, the entire continent, is not very well mapped from an evolutionary perspective. So we're not sure... What's going on with the Denisovans? We don't really know what they look like. We we don't know where they came from. Well, yeah, it's it's very new. The Denisovan, the idea of the Denisovan is very new. And we could have found some stuff from earlier that was also a Denisovan example, but just not recognized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one one thing to note here, Ben, is that uh, it's I've seen them called Asian Neanderthals or the Denisovan. Uh, Denisovans referred to as that, and that doesn't appear to be accurate, even though it does appear that they bred with Neanderthals or interbred with Neanderthals. Huh. Um, 17 to 20 percent of their DNA does uh, does seem to be Neanderthal. Um, although they think maybe they also uh, perhaps bred with another unknown uh, hominid variant. Huh, weird, right? And this is. This is fascinating because some Neanderthal bones were found with Denisovan bones in the Altai Mountain cave, and it seems as though they might have been living together. Again, we don't know what they look like because we only found a little bit of stuff, but this this finger bone, which is from a younger female, is uh, way bigger than it would be if she was a Homo sapien. Mm-hmm. So based on that, the big assumption that we're making is that they were probably, what's well, a polite way to say this? They're probably robust, you know, <laughs> like hardy. Um, maybe, uh, in a video game, they would be the tank. Oh, totally. Yeah. If that makes sense. They'd have a shield and a sword. Right. Yeah. They're bruisers for sure. Um, at least they were larger than, uh, Homo sapien, probably. Maybe not taller, but research is ongoing. So we're going to learn more about Denisovans as we continue. Hopefully we'll be able to update our video episode with some more information. This leads us to one of the most exciting and controversial recent finds of early man, uh, Homo floresensis, which I just totally. (laughs) That's the, that's. Exactly the way I wanted to pronounce it, but I, I wasn't going to attempt it. So what are we talking about when we say this? What, what are we talking about? We're talking about a, a real, well, a real life hobbit. Ben. Okay. I see the finger quotes there. Yes. Uh, all right. How do we find out about this? All right. So there were, uh, nine individuals discovered in Indonesia in 2003 on an island, island called Flores, uh, which again, mispronouncing there. Um, they were standing about, Three and a half feet tall. Uh, well, they would be standing three and a half feet okay. tall if they yeah. could and were alive. But, uh, but they, that was the entire community. It wasn't just one or two that they found. Nine individuals that were that uh, tall. Right. And we know a lot of modern news outlets just want to run with a sexy headline. So a bunch of scientists got their dander up when they saw these headlines that said real life hobbits found yeah. in Indonesia uh, and immediately started trying to shoot holes in, in the theory. Was there a genetic problem? Somebody had said maybe this was an isolated and the, uh, the implication here would be inbred population that had microcephaly, which is um, a very debilitating condition mm-hmm. wherein somebody's head is um, much smaller then it should be, and it can affect intelligence as well. Or maybe they had no thyroid for some reason. Uh, another another thing that's not the same but similar is that maybe they were a distinct community that had island dwarfism. Uh, okay, which is you know the the theory that animals who end up being on islands also end up being growing smaller over time. Their species uh, for this to happen. There would have to be divergence here, but here's the really weird part. They were around pretty recently, right? Yes. These, um, they lived as recently as 12,000 years ago, which is, well, it's very recent from the span of humanity. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And it, that means it was, it was alive during the time of modern man. So when human, humanity was around, uh, Homo sapien, right, they were around as well. That is crazy because especially considering that we're, we as a society are still trying to figure out what is going on with the human brain, right? And we don't understand the nature of intelligence. For a long time, we thought that size of a brain was related to intelligence, but the things that we're learning about very intelligent creatures are proving that is probably not the case. And one thing that we found is that uh, these creatures were a little bit, based on their anatomy, they were a little bit closer to apes than modern man, you know, in terms of length of arm mm-hmm. to uh, length of leg. And they have tiny, tiny heads, you know, in comparison to us and Neanderthals, I'm sure. And despite all this, they still built stone tools. So they had the intelligence to make tools. And there's a really, to go back to folklore, there's this fascinating thing called the, I'm going to mispronounce this one too. Okay. The Ibu Gogo myths in Flores concern this race of small little people who are not that great at language, but they hunt and they can play tricks and they interact with the local population. And it's funny that this pops up because we know that Indonesia still has a lot of remote forest, although they are increasingly being torn down for various industries. We also know that these quote unquote real life hobbits are the longest surviving non-modern humans that we know of. It's pretty awesome. It, it makes me, uh, gosh, it just makes me wonder if that was the last surviving family perhaps of, 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 you know, the, these mythological creatures that were in actuality a real thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fascinating to think about. I'd, I'd love to have that tour, that story told, yeah. you know, and on a film or something just sure. to see that. Darren Oronofsky, you're probably listening. Let's be honest. It's time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there's some really interesting stuff here too, because reports of these Ibu Gogo linger well into the Portuguese arrival in Indonesia. And even today, there's a cryptid called the Orang Pendek, which is described as a very short, very strong ape-like creature. And there have been numerous reports of this, but we still have yet to find a body or a fossil. You know what I mean? Man, Uh, I just want to go out and live in the forest. For a while with a bunch of cameras. Yeah. Well, again, anyone listening at Discovery or Science Channel, uh, Ben and I will do these kinds of things. You just, uh, you know, just give us the money and uh, the cameras and we'll go. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. 
experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, uh, just the plane ticket, really. Plane ticket and the camera. You don't have to pay me. I'll camp out in Indonesia. Sure. All right. Okay. I'm in. Uh, all right. So what's fascinating here is that the theories of how these creatures arrived, uh, maybe it's not fair to call them creatures. I think they're close enough that we should refer to them as people. Mm-hmm. The theories of how these homo fluorescensis arrive uh, on this island sort of requires them to have a knowledge of uh, rafting, at the very least, to come over on a bamboo boat or something because the distance is too far to swim. Uh, so this means that they also, at some point, who, whoever their ancestors were, whomever their ancestors were, those people were capable of building boats which makes us rethink a lot of the stuff that we we think about cuz these these creatures are clearly not uh homo sapien the way that we would understand it mm-hmm. so is it possible this is an isolated uh branch of homo sapien that over the years over the centuries over millennia became something that seemed startlingly different and that's not even that's not even all of it. We just named the three early man types, early human types that we know of because there's more to the story, right? That's right, Ben. There are a lot of known unknowns. Uh, we, we do know that both Denisovans and Neanderthals, they both bred with another early unknown uh, version of man. And we don't know what that was at all. Or, well, at least there are some ideas, but we, we really don't know. Right. And yeah. we also, if you also are, look at the gaps in the early record, it's also possible that we may discover these other variations just from going at it, basically <laughs> more digging and right. more searching. Um, but the biggest thing are, okay. So if we, if we want to look at, uh, one of the most interesting things to me are these mysterious graves that exist. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. There are, there are numerous anecdotal and uh, proven accounts of mysterious grave sites with near human or humanoid, basically human like remains. And they're often really old. Yeah. And some of those are, are hoaxes like the Photoshop giant pictures you mentioned earlier or like the, the, uh, Piltdown man in England. Uh, there, you know, there are cases where unscrupulous, uh, often racist, uh, in, investigators would take, you know, like an ape's jawbone and put it on a human skull and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
those hoaxes aren't the only thing. They're also medical conditions, right? Yeah, you've got uh, agromeglia, dwarfism, um, micro, or also uh, hypocephaly. There's uh, all kinds of genetic disorders, like the um, what's that? What's that one, Ben? The Boscops man. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is this is interesting because we don't know if it's exactly a genetic disorder yet. So there was a series of skulls found in South Africa by some farmers, and they noticed, to their credit, that these these skulls fragments they were finding didn't seem to be what you would expect from a human skull, and. Essentially, what they found were uh, baby-faced people with huge craniums, ancient, oh. too. So in uh, some of the fringe research sites and according to a very controversial study, this so-called Boscopes man, Boscopes man, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, mm-hmm. is a highly evolved or highly intelligent variant of human that somehow died out way in the past. And this argument for a very high intelligence on the part of these fossils is made based on the, based on the size of what their brain would have been, Mm -hmm. how much, how much brain they could have in their brain case. And again, going back to the earlier thing we pointed out, what we have learned is that that is not necessarily the deciding factor. Yeah, the brain can be smaller and really intelligent, i.e. ravens. Yeah. Uh, sure. You know, yeah. There are all kinds. There's high intelligence all over the place in the brain. <laughs> I guess it matters in the folds, mostly. <laughs> right, yeah. It's it's also, yeah, which regions of the brain are mm-hmm. the most, uh, are, are the most evolved or the most sophisticated. So, when we when we look at this, of course, we're wading through a lot of misinformation and a lot of disinformation. We have an earlier podcast on misinformation and disinformation, if you want to know the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we also know that despite the hoaxes, despite the things that may clearly be medical conditions, we have social practices, and then we have some inexplicable stuff. So when we say social practices, there are these... Skulls that have, um, that, that have sort of a cone head look, you yeah, know. Yeah, very elongated. Yeah. Um, and it's because they were shaping their heads. Right. Since they were, uh, essentially since they're born, they begin shaping yeah. their heads. The way they do it, and don't do this to your children. Please don't. But the way that they do it is, uh, taking wet, uh, slats of wood. I don't know why I'm acting it out now yeah, on the audio <laughs> podcast. And, uh, it looks great, everybody. And, and wrapping the wood tightly around the head so that it's pressing. Now you remember, of course, that a baby's skull is much more pliable than a human skull. Uh, the, the bones that you are born with in your skull, uh, as a child don't fuse together until, at, you know, later in life. So sure. they're able to make these things that look like, make these people that look like they have heads from the alien films. Yeah. Um, but then there are also other things. Um, the, the horned growths, I remember seeing pictures of this, Ben, um, is this, was this something found in the skull or is this something that was artificially done? We, uh, yeah, that's a good question. We know that there, there are a lot of hoaxes about this kind of stuff too, but we do know that people can, grow horns um, for all intents and purposes. You can look up pictures of people who have been alive, likely during your lifetime, who due to one rare condition or another have grown horns. They're normal people. They're just normal people affected with something the same way that you would be affected with a mole. You know what I mean? Okay, it's just like growth on the bone. Uh, yeah, I don't know enough about this to, to really delve into it yet. Um, but I can definitely check it out. We can do, you know, devil people if it's not going to be too offensive. Uh, I'm going to look into it at least. Yeah. And also we know because of confirmation bias that a lot of skulls have been found that are irregular, such as the, uh, very popular star child skull. Oh yeah. Remember that one? Uh, that these have, 
these have been touted by people who believe in ancient alien theories as evidence of alien visitation or something else. It looks like in most cases, those deformed skulls come either from a medical condition or from a uh, social practice. But they're inexplicable corpses. There really are corpses that are that are bones, at least skeletons, that are eight feet tall that we yeah. find. And they're freaky, but so far as we know, they're not part of a large breeding population. We've only found a few. But to me, the most interesting things that we find that are the most difficult to explain would be anachronistic remains. Anachronistic meaning something that is not in the time it belongs in. And this would be stuff like Romans out in Western China uh, at the wrong time. So they're finding Caucasian corpses in the weirdest places. That's easily explainable. It's just time travel. It's fine. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. makes sense. And also we're finding, you know, um, African or what would normally be ascribed as African, uh, remains in South America. And, you know, we, we, we know that history is a muddy story here. Oh, yes. So, I mean, like people still are trying to figure out what's going on with the Olmec civilization, right? Oh, yeah. So we've looked at all these ancient discoveries or discoveries, but from from a long time ago. Uh, the earliest was 12,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. But here's the big the big question again. Are we still today alone? Are, are Homo sapiens the only hominid, the only uh, version of human that exists today walking mm-hmm. around? Could you could you go somewhere and find one, find another uh, type of human? Well, according to some studies that are a little bit controversial, you and I might be talking to Neanderthals right now or Denisovans. I, I could be a Neanderthal. Yeah, totally. Those freckles and the, our reddish hair are dead giveaways, man. Ugh. We are no, we are no longer pure Homo sapien quality. You know what? I'm okay with it. So according to some studies that continue today, including something with the neat name of the Neanderthal Genome Project, uh, all global populations, other than some parts of Africa, like sub-Saharan Africa, exhibit significant Neanderthal genes, and significant only in that they are traceable. So through whole genome sequencing, a uh, 2010 sequence of the Neanderthal genome revealed that Neanderthals share more alleles with Eurasian populations. So this would be like the French, the Han Chinese, Papua New Guinea, uh, than they did with sub-Saharan African populations. So they think, the people who did the study, that this means there's a recent gene flow from Neanderthals to modern humans after the migration out of Africa. And that if you have Eurasian heritage, that it could be up to one to four percent of your genome. What this means. Oh, and then they lowered that percent in 2013. What this means is that people who are around there, according to this study, people whose ancestry originates there, uh, have some sort of evidence, genetic evidence of Homo sapien interbreeding with Neanderthal. Uh, the highest admixture, of course, uh, would be, you know, Eurasia, East Asia, and the lowest being sub-Saharan Africa. And they're not the only people that might still be in the game because we mentioned Denisovans, right? Yeah. According to, uh, some of the, some of this DNA evidence, it appears that Denisovan DNA is found in Southeast Asian populations even today. Um, and notably, you're looking at Papua New Guinea populations. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are also, uh, there's also evidence of this in other, I guess you'd say oceanic areas of the okay. world. So, uh, this would be in islands in Indonesia, Malaysia. Uh, there, there's still some studies out because they're still learning a lot about this. But what this means is that Denisovans were probably all over East Asia for a time. Oh yeah. And they were interbreeding with modern man. They were interbreeding with Neanderthals. They were checking off the bucket list. It's, it's almost as though they got pushed, uh, out in, to sea almost like they were seafaring, more seafaring, at least mm-hmm. from what I've been looking at. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. There's an, or at least they were good at it. Right. Or, or their, their descendants were at the very least. Now we get to the big one. Matt, 
What else is out there? We have no idea. We have no idea that we have no idea what we can find. Uh, we might well discover that some of the legends about giants and, and little people or alternate versions of near human things are indeed true. We still haven't found a Sasquatch. We still have not found a Sasquatch. We have found, of course, one of the, um, one of the interesting candidates for a Sasquatch, uh, is always going to be a bear. But, mm-hmm. uh, but we have found that polar bears and grizzly bears can interbreed. We have also found that, at least in the past, uh, large animals could escape detection for a while. The discovery of that massive collection of gorillas in Africa a few years back, uh, the discovery of recent, uh, mammals like, um, that that monkey with no nose it still freaks yeah. me out. Remember that thing? How did? Creepy. Yeah. And then there's uh, there's still so many archaeological mysteries in play. We'll uh, leave you with one here, and that's the Red Deer Cave people. As recently as eleven thousand years ago, there's a a community in Red Deer Cave in China, and they have a unique mix of early and modern human population uh, characteristics. So I implore you to go check out Red Deer Cave People and read a very, very interesting story. Also, I hope that you will check out our video series on giants and some... What What else do we have on this? We have the... Who are the Nomo? We have the Nomo, uh, the one about are humans evolving... Yeah, uh, still. And if you want to, you can even go back to the ancient aliens uh, content we've covered. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this branches out into it. it, uh. it yeah, I was going to go with it. It's, anyway, it has a lot of branches this episode. Right. Um, and um, and one thing we yeah. would I would like to say this this kind of topic lends itself towards um, some of the darker things in humanity uh, towards racism and mm-hmm. some of. Uh, anytime you're talking about DNA and humanity, I would just encourage you to fight any of those urges. If you have any of those, uh, fight them off with a stick, please. Well, yeah, we, we do know that in most cases, uh, th- things like that are huge impediments to science. They're not really helpful. They get in the way. In our human experimentation episode, we talk about the huge ethical dilemma of Nazi experimentation on people. And we also note that one of the things that really prevents a lot of this research from being as valuable as it could have been was the underlying bias. Yeah. The underlying bias, the underlying uh, ideological constraints of the experimenters. So, so yeah, uh, Matt, you and I are not, you, I think it's fairly clear that you and I personally believe in an out of Africa theory rather than the multi-regional hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there are more early races of man or, and the word race is not really fair here. I think there are more early versions of man that were around and have a genetic legacy today. The contributions, by the way, of Denisovans, uh, Neanderthals and other archaic humans appear to be if if all this is true, if the studies are true, uh, these appear to be crucial parts of our evolution in terms of immunity to pathogens that evolved after Homo sapien left Africa. So we're alive in a weird way, again, if this stuff is true, because we have been saved by cave people. Awesome. Yeah. Also not fair because Homo sapiens, total cave people. Oh, yeah. For a very long time. <laughs> I've got, uh, we've got one more surprise here before we head out. Instead of doing listener mail, you and I did an experiment on Twitter, right? Yes, we did. Uh, we just asked you if you wanted to hear your name on a podcast. Yep. So guess what? It's happening right now. Okay. Let's start checking out some people who wrote to us or retweeted and asked for a shout out. Kia Stacy. Hello there. Don Tree, you are in the house, I, I, I believe. There's Joel Micah Harris, Chet Lemon, I've seen you around on Twitter, JP Weigand, also seen your face a lot. 
San Juan underscore Puerto Rico. Interesting. So is that a place that wants a shout out? Maybe it's a person. It's like a representative of the place. That's pretty fun. Well, well, just to cover our bases, let's also give a shout out to the entire city of San Juan, Puerto Rico. Rico, Rico. We've also got, uh, ooh, a a very interesting person named JPC. Mm -hmm. We also have no. Okay. Uh, Yep. There's a, oh geez. I'm going to try and do this right. Keith Mastro Mikhail's. Shout out to Ellipses, or uh, dot, dot, dot. We'll, we'll come back to that yeah, one. Yeah, we'll come back to that. I think that's what that means. Um, we've also got Joe Von Axman. That's a cool name. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jessica J. Glover F. Uh, congratulations. Your name was just spoken uh, <laughs> digitally on a podcast. There's Jason R. Yeager. Mm-hmm. Seen you as well all over Twitter. One of the first people to retweet. That's right. Too. And that's not all. Some of you wrote to us with, uh, responses here. So Bobby Samuel, uh, replied to something that made me laugh, Matt. I want to read it to you and see if you, see if you get this. It's more of a visual thing. Conspiracy stuff. Can I get a shout out for my friends Nilwab Neb and Kirider Tam? Do you get it? <laughs> no, I'd have to read it. Nice. Our, our words backward. Our yeah, words yeah, backwards. yeah. <laughs> Got us there. Um, okay. And, uh, Heather also wanted to shout out. Uh, hi, Heather. And thank you, uh, for the very nice thing you said in what you called your ill-advised late night tweets. <laughs> uh, we also have, uh, not Mugen, uh, who just learned about our audio podcast. We hope you're checking out and enjoying it. Uh, JPC, you made us laugh, of course, when you said it will be a conspiracy if I don't get a shout out. <laughs> well played, sir. And we'd also like to return to our buddy who was ellipses or dot, 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 because we had an actual conversation online about how to pronounce your name, my friend. We wanted to make sure it we got it right because, as we said, Americans on both continents are cartoonishly bad at, at pronouncing things. So shout out to you, Keith Lee. I hope that we have done that correctly. And shout out to everybody who's listening who has yet to follow us on Twitter or check out our website, StuffTheyDon'tWantYouToKnow.com, where we have all kinds of spooky, interesting stuff and you can check out our Facebook. We'd love to see you over there. That's where we also ask for a lot of ideas for upcoming episodes. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we hope that you check out our video series on the Lost Races of Man. If you want to write us an email, we read those as well. Our email address is conspiracy at discovery.com For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit testtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. 
Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.